that rapidly deteriorating situation in Afghanistan is a major challenge for the Biden administration. In early July, President Biden spoke to reporters about the withdrawal of U.S. troops defending the decision. Take a look. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Welcome to The Voice of One, The VU. It's episode 119. This one for Monday, August 16, year of our Lord 2021. Well, welcome everybody, wherever you happen to be, to the Kabul Chaos episode <laughs> of The Voice of One. Good to have you with us wherever you happen to be. I do understand that the Wi-Fi is a little spotty right now at Kabul International, so uh, if you're trying to listen there, you probably have to pick it up on another day. Uh, but wherever else you happen to be, good to have you with us today on this fast-moving news day, as they say. Woody Cumbie, your host, bringing you the caramelized blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU sports. Well, uh, our cold open, as they call it, uh, was a, a clip from Good Morning America, uh, back in July, just a few weeks ago, back in July. No, 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 that's not what he said today. That was, a, that, that was in July, a few weeks ago, Good Morning America, setting it up and, and playing the clip of a press conference of the current occupant. And, of course, he uh, expressed his delusional confidence that there was basically no way, no way that the Taliban was just going to take town after town, city after city, overrun Kabul, the capital, uh, overrun the palace and, and set up a guard and be in charge of the country. There, there's just no way. No way. That was just uh, in July. That was in July. Current occupant. Delusional. Incapable of grasping the strategic reality. Not surprising. Um, but somewhat surprising is the fact that apparently no one around, <laughs> no one around him uh, could grasp it either. But the White House wasn't alone, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the delusional confidence was also shared at the Pentagon. Yeah, across town at the Pentagon. Yeah, they expressed a similar delusion just last week, just four days ago on August 12th. Uh, the Pentagon spokesman, uh, he had, uh, just, just listen, he, he took, the Pentagon spokesman took a moment away from uh, speaking about all things woke to actually speak about a military and strategic matter. But listen to what he had to say just last week. Uh, the president has ordered the reduction of civilian personnel uh, uh, at our embassy in Kabul uh, and the acceleration of the evacuation of Afghan special immigrant visa applicants from the country. Hasn't happened. Uh, to enable the safe orderly reduction. Safe, Secretary orderly, Secretary of Defense indeed. has directed the department to position temporary enabling capabilities to ensure the safety and security of U.S. and partner civilian personnel. Temporary enabling capabilities. Now, what that means is lots of troops, lots of troops, battalions of troops, Marines, Army. They're coming. They're going to be there. They're coming from Fort Bragg. They're going to be 
positioned. They'll be in Kuwait just in case. They'll be arriving in the next few days, these enabling capabilities. Only the problem was, when he was speaking, the very moment he was speaking, they only had three days until the Taliban would be at the gates of Kabul. The president would flee. The government collapse. The Taliban would take over the city, take over the palace, and indeed surround the airport. The troops were not there. They're just now getting there, just now getting there. Because, of course, we would not have dared wanted to have troops already pre-positioned before the date of withdrawal. We wouldn't want to already have that done. Uh, no, 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 no. We, because there was such little chance that the, that, that the Taliban would actually be coming to Kabul and, and taking over the country. There's just the president said, said so. I mean, the one who got more votes than any president in the history of the United States of America, he said so. It's got to be right. Well, you might be asking, how could there be <laughs> a miscalculation that big that we end up in this shameful debacle before the whole world? Such mismanagement and incompetence. How, how do you have a, a miscalculation of this size? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just think you need to give some understanding, extend some understanding to the Pentagon. They are focused 24-7 on wokeness. On wokeness. And so it, it, it's, it's understandable, really, that they've lost track of strategic events of military importance. You can't focus on, 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 on so many different things at once. You can't demand that of an organization like the Pentagon. They, they, they've got to focus on wokeness, and that's what. And so, yeah, they were caught a little bit off guard, a little bit off guard. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, speaking of wokeness, uh, I, I don't know if you actually follow on Twitter uh, <laughs> the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. Yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't either. I didn't either. I'm just playing catch-up on U.S. Embassy in Kabul. And these are, these are now like uh, souvenirs, right? These are like, these are like keepsakes because, uh, of course, there is no U.S. Embassy in Kabul anymore. Uh, but I bring you this one from June 2nd. June 2nd, right? Just a few weeks ago. June 2nd. This is the, U.S., this is the, the official Twitter account of the U.S. Embassy Kabul. And uh, it's got a huge uh, picture of the rainbow uh, pride flag. And, uh, and it says this. This is their tweet text says this. Uh, the month of June is recognized as LGBTI Pride Month. The United States respects the dignity and equality of LGBTI people and celebrates their contributions to the society. We remain committed to supporting civil rights of minorities, including LGBTI persons. Hashtag Pride 2021. Hashtag Pride Month. That was the official tweet from U.S. Embassy Kabul on June 2, 2021. Now, I'm sure that that um, tweet um, was endearing to the ultra-conservative Muslim citizenry of Afghanistan. It's the kind of tweet that would just cause you to want to just fight, (laughs) 
right? We're going to fight alongside these. And these Americans, they've spent trillions of dollars and given us all of this high-powered equipment. And we just, those are the kind of, we can fight for that. That's the future we can fight for. We ultra-conservative Muslim Afghanistan people from the 15th century, we're going to rally around the pride flag. We won't be intimidated by those Taliban telling us to mind our religious convictions of a multitude of centuries. No siree. Golly. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is the woke insanity of the current administration and the people that it has placed in military and diplomatic leadership. June 2nd, the place doesn't exist anymore, that, that, that embassy. But, buddy, they were, maybe they left behind some CRT material to help out the Taliban, you know, to just recognize uh, racial minorities there in their country. Anyway, uh, the world is watching this uh, debacle, this tragedy of uh, international proportions unfold hour by hour. As we've, as the United States has has abandoned, has abandoned Afghanistan, not withdrawn. No, this is a cut and run abandonment. We're talking about last week the U.S. forces evacuated Bagram Air Force Base, uh, air base overnight. I mean, in some cases, they didn't even tell these um, uh, Afghani uh, military people that they've been training and mentoring. They didn't even tell them they were leaving town. They just boom, they're ba- they're gone, they're gone. And so the next morning they, w- they wake up and U.S. forces are out of the country. What do you think the Taliban is going to do? Well, they quickly overran the Afghan army. That same army that the U.S. has spent 20 years and billions of dollars to train. Afghans, they didn't have any heart for the fight. They're not a nation. They're a collection of tribes. And this whole... Anyway, it just... Uh, uh, So anyway, um, yeah, that Afghan army, they just laid down the U.S. tax dollar provided weapons that they had, abandoned the, the military vehicles that they had, just surrendered. So that today, right now, tonight, the Taliban is one of the most well armed militias in the world. They were able to trade out their out of date Russian arms that they've had for years and years, for the latest U.S.-provided weapons and military vehicles. One source said that that the Taliban is now in possession of more Black Hawk helicopters than 166 nations of the world. Now, all this is the result of a feckless U.S. administration and its total mismanagement of this withdrawal, putting American weakness on display for the whole world. Now, this weakness, it's been seen by allies and by enemies, by the whole world. China has already seized on this moment of weakness. They, they seized on it right away. They, they too have a Twitter account. Right. The Chinese and the Chinese state media. Yeah, they, they've, they've got one. 
and and they've already tweeted it out. They've already they've already let it be known to Taiwan and the people of Taiwan that this you need to turn on your TV. You need to look. You need to see what's happening. This is what happens when America abandons you. All right. Here's the Global Times. The Global Times, China state affiliated media newspaper. All right. And uh, here's what their tweet says from an editorial. It says, from what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive that once war breaks out in the Straits. Now, let's just stop right there. Once war breaks out in the Straits. Right. We're talking about the South China Sea. When war breaks out. Right. This is the state media. All right, from what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive that once war breaks out in the Straits, the island's defense will collapse in hours, and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. Wow. Wow. It's noted the weakness, the fecklessness, the incompetence by our allies and by our enemies. Now, this precipitous collapse in Afghanistan was predictable. In fact, was predicted by both civilian and military leaders on the ground in Afghanistan. Just as soon as Biden announced the full departure on a date specific, this according to Richard Engel reporting from Kabul this morning on the Democrats' own news channel, MSNBC. They interviewed him this morning. And he said, look, the people down, the, the, the military people here on the ground, the diplomats here on the ground, they all, they all predicted this. No, nobody is surprised by what's happening here. So what is it? Like Benghazi, they pick up the phone and call and can't get anybody at the State Department to, to understand what's going on? Apparently, everybody knew it except the current occupant and his staff. And, of course, uh, he took a vacation as all this unfolded. His press uh, secretary, yeah, Jen, yeah, she, she took a week. She took a week off. Yeah. Why, why be around you know, for all of this? Just take a week off. And nobody knows where the VP, the border czar, is. Nobody knows. But trust me and mark this down. When she runs for president, she will say that she advised against this course of action. Mark it down. Anyway, she's nowhere to be found. So the whole world, they're watching this Saigon-like uh, moment, this debacle. The comparisons are even being made by left-leaning media. And, and here's the truth of tonight. If, you, if you're up there in the White House... The Biden administration is, is, is being abandoned even by Democrat press stalwarts, CNN and MSNBC. The Atlantic magazine already out with this headline, Biden's betrayal of Afghans will live in infamy. Even top Democrats are responding with serious concerns about the level of competence of the current White House. I don't know if you saw this, but Barack Obama's ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, the guy that during the uh, Obama administration was the 
was the ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker. He publicly, yesterday, he publicly questioned Biden's ability to lead. Here's his quote. I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about his ability to lead as commander-in-chief. To have read this so wrong, or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care. Wow. Barack Obama's own ambassador to Afghanistan. I have some questions in my mind about Biden's ability to lead as commander-in-chief. He said it publicly, on the record. Well, unsurprisingly, the handlers persuade the current occupant to return from vacation, deliver a prepared speech, and then take no questions. (laughs) I don't want to take any questions. Uh, And then return to vacation. So as soon as the speech was over, Jake Tapper of CNN destroyed the speech as blame-shifting and short on detail. Now, here's just a sum of what CNN's Jake Tapper said. Tapper's analysis of the president's speech to the nation today. You've been listening to President Biden speaking at the White House, forced to talk about the worsening crisis in Afghanistan, forced to speak uh, to the nation after the calamity of the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. The president stated that he stands squarely behind the decision he made to withdraw all U.S. forces from Afghanistan, even though he has, in fact, been forced to send roughly 6,000 back in. The president saying, in fact, that if anything, the events of the last few days, this foreign policy and humanitarian disaster, proves to him that he made the right decision given the fleeing of Afghan politicians from the country and the collapse of the Afghan military. The president said that the buck stopped with him, but in fact, this speech was full of finger pointing and blame, especially for the Afghans, even saying that while the U.S. would be working to rescue those Americans and U.S. allies who needed to be saved, he claimed part of the reason why the U.S. did not save sooner Afghan allies, the translators and others who worked with the U.S. military, who fear being slaughtered by the Taliban, They didn't act sooner, the president said, because some Afghans, he claimed, did not want to leave earlier because they were hopeful about a new Afghan government. Wow. Wow. That is what you call scathing. I mean, did you hear the descriptive words? Three different times he talked about how the president was forced to say something. He talked about the disaster, the catastrophe, the right, and the the blame shift. And and, uh, man, look. If you're if you are a Democrat presidential administration and uh, and CNN and MSNBC. Right. Can no longer stand in your corner when they begin to use words like this. uh, Wow. You're about out of chips. You're about you. You're running low, ladies and gentlemen, running low. Now. As to, as to the blame shifting, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've heard it a few places. But I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, I, this whole thing about, well, he just did what Trump, Trump, you know, Trump said he was going to get him out. Trump said he was just doing what Trump. Matter of fact, the, the, the Biden himself said, I was just doing what Trump said. Right. Well, first, well, first of all, I'll just say this. Biden had no problem overturning 
on the first day in office, per his promise, many of Trump's uh, initiatives and policies uh, and executive orders. So if he wanted to get out, he had no problem walking away from uh, the 45th on, on a number of issues. So, um, yeah, I, so this idea that somehow he was cornered on this issue is, is ridiculous, number one. But number two, I'm telling you, folks, even the left-leaning media isn't really buying it. They're not really buying it. Jake Tapper, he's not buying it. They're not buying it. That they they look, they went out heart and soul. They sold out. They they did everything they could, right, night after night to skewer the 45th president, uh, no matter what it took, and to prop up a guy who was locked away in a basement running for president of the United States. They did they carried the ball for him all the way across the finish line. And now this is the performance they get? No, I don't know. Uh, I tell you, man, it, these could be interesting days, interesting days. But speaking of this blame shift, um, left-loving Mike Wallace, you know Mike Wallace, he has this program on Fox. I have not watched Fox, by the way, since, uh, oh, mm, about 10 o'clock maybe on election night. I've not watched another minute of Fox. But anyway, I did, I did uh, see a moment of this. Somebody sent it to me on YouTube. Mike Wallace Fox News Sunday, he had uh, former Secretary of State Mike, uh, Mike Pompeo on his show on Sunday. And Wallace tried to do that, you know, turn it around and pin the blame on, on, uh, on Trump, take the current crisis and blame it on Trump. And here's just a bit of Pompeo's dismantling of Mike Wallace as he tells the truth and nothing but the truth. President Biden released a statement yesterday in which, in effect, he blamed President Trump and your administration for the deal that you made with the Taliban back in 2020, uh, which resulted in a, in a promise at that time that President Trump had stayed in office to pull all troops out by this past May. I want to read you some of what President Biden said in his statement. When I became president, I faced a choice follow through on the deal or ramp up our presence and send more American troops to fight once again in another country's civil conflict. Mr. Secretary, what do you think of President Biden's attempt here to, to blame, to pin all the blame for what's transpired in these last few weeks on the deal he says he, quote, inherited from President Trump and from you? If the risks weren't so serious, Chris, it'd be pathetic. I wouldn't have let my 10-year-old son get away from this kind of pathetic blame shifting. Uh, he should be less focused on trying to uh, blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. Chris, it's worth noting, this did not happen on our watch. We reduced our forces significantly, and the Taliban didn't advance on capitals all across Afghanistan. So it's just a, a plain old fact that this is happening under the Biden administration's leadership now, almost a quarter of a way into his first term. This is, this is not the way leaders lead by pointing backwards. We had a bad deal we inherited. The JCPOA, we got out of it. We secured America from the risk from Iran. We inherited a horrible deal in Syria where ISIS controlled real estate the size of Great Britain. We crushed them. Every president confronts challenges. This president confronted a challenge in Afghanistan. He has utterly failed 
to protect the American people from this challenge. Failed to protect the American people. That's exactly right. Never forget why we were in Afghanistan to start with. It was called 9-11. And the fact that those terrorist camps where those pilots were trained, right, initially with their uh, terrorist ideology, those were inside the borders of Afghanistan, right? That's where Osama bin Laden uh, was. So, um, yeah, that's why we were there, because the Taliban was willing for that to happen inside their, their territory. Now, mark my words, if the 45th were in the White House today, uh, no, <laughs> they would not have taken uh, capital after capital uh, provincial capital after provincial capital in Afghanistan or taking Kabul, uh, they would have done exactly what the U.S. Uh, required of them, or they would have just been pummeled, and they knew it. They would have known it. So we've got a very sad situation uh, inside of Afghanistan. It's sad on many levels. I have at least five friends who I think are still inside the country, missionaries, and I'm trying to get their, uh, confirm their whereabouts. I haven't been able to yet. I have another friend, a person who works, uh, we'll just say, as a, in a contractor role uh, for the U.S. government. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, he left the country a few weeks ago when he saw this inevitability. Very wise. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may be asking, what does all this mean well, it means, first of all, that the lives of every Afghani follower of Jesus is in jeopardy. And so there's prayers tonight for the Afghan Christians. Number two, in a broader sense, uh, this graphic weakness of America could in fact be um, kind of teeing up an end-time scenario where the U.S. is absent when Israel needs our help. Amir Sarfati is an Israeli Bible teacher, prophecy teacher. I highly recommend that you find his, uh, his channel on YouTube. It's called Behold Israel. He put out an emergency uh, breaking news video today, about 12 minutes long. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to listen to it. Uh, all about this situation in Afghanistan and what it means for Israel specifically. And in his analysis, he used a very interesting phrase. He said, we have entered the post-American world order. He said, we're in a post-American world order. The post-American world order has begun, he said. An era where America is both seen as weak and untrustworthy. He too says that that very scenario sets up the biblical end times uh, context where the USA simply doesn't show up in end times events as a power player on this globe when Israeli uh, needs are come to the surface. Anyway, all this is to say it's a time to be prayerful for believers especially, prayerful for, for the peace of Jerusalem. And, uh, and if you don't know Jesus as your own Savior, as the risen Savior and friend, then I encourage you today to reach out by faith to Christ and be right with him uh, in these final days, uh, at least as the Bible would portray them. 
So uh, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys being on board today. And I uh, hope you'll like, share uh, this, uh, this episode with somebody that you know. And I uh, hope you'll be encouraged uh, in Christ and in the Holy Spirit today. So, Lord, uh, we bless you and thank you today that you are greater in us than any force that's in this world. And, Lord, I pray today for your protecting hand, for your uh, a hedge of protection around believers, Afghani believers tonight, wherever they happen to be in that nation, being overrun by radical Muslims. Uh, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the church underground would just begin to flourish. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who are trying to get out, uh, whether they're Christians or not, Lord, who have uh, helped us in some way uh, as Americans, and we owe it to them to help them out. Lord, I pray that they'd be able to get out of that nation. And so, Lord, we pray for their safety. Uh, Lord, thank you for this uh, grace that you've given us, that we are in a context tonight where we can listen to this podcast and uh, go about our business. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to maintain the freedoms that we have here uh, through your grace and our vigilance. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.